So Kenny, yet another episode with no guests. Either people are sick of talking to us or you and I like to hear ourselves talk. Listen, I think we know it's the latter, right? <laughs> it's definitely the latter. Because but but also people love us. Right? People love us. Um, but super, super cool article uh, we found that we could read and, and comment on. So we we read a very interesting trend article uh, looking at industrial automation trends coming forward into 2023. And we thought it'd be interesting to, to share it with everybody and kind of some of our comments, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a fun time talking with you. I always like to learn more about what's coming ahead and see what I what I do and don't believe. And then can't wait to see what we're wrong about in a couple of years. It was a fun episode. Absolutely, enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the Operation Automation Podcast by Omron, where we are talking all things factory automation. My name is Carrie Lee, and I'm the America's Sales Manager for Early Career Development. I've been with Omron for three and a half years and have about 17 years of experience in automation. Sitting here with me is Kenny Heidel. Hi, everyone. I am Kenny Heidel, and I'm a channel sales manager focusing on channel engagement. I've been with Omron for four years and have 15 years of combined factory and industrial automation experience. Kenny and I are neighbors at our Omron office and would often have conversations at the coffee machine or in the hallways where we would talk about new technologies and trends and, of course, the Chicago White Sox. We hope to recreate that time here in our podcast and share it with listeners so that you can learn along with us. So whether you are pouring yourself the first or the fifth coffee of the day, driving to your first appointment, or walking the dog, we hope to help you start your day off right with a little fun and hopefully you learn something new. Okay, Kenny, what is our song for the day? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I don't know if I know much of the rest of the song, but I think that gets the gist, right? I think everybody clearly recognized your Marvin Gaye impression. One of the best I've heard in the last two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no outtakes, please. (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about today? So I think what we wanted to do today was talk about a little bit of uh, interesting article that we both had a chance to read. Um, It was Key Technology Trends for 2023 by Craig Resnick that was published uh, about a month ago, right? But it had some interesting trends in the industrial automation space that I think would be good to discuss, kind of give our opinion, but also maybe talk a little bit about what it might mean to our customers. So Carrie... When you were reading it, what do you think was the what was the most interesting thing that you read uh, in that article? So for me, I think the most interesting thing was the closed digital loops, right? So there's just a little, uh, it's not a super long article, right? So they just kind of hit some topics lightly. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought the digital loop was really interesting because we've talked a lot about collecting data, you know, for mm-hmm. as long as I can remember in our industry. And what I kind of liked about that is or what they mentioned in the article is that now it's time to start making decisions based on that data and then closing that loop and are the decisions we made right. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And leveraging information both to make a decision and then to verify and and check your work. So that was probably the most interesting part to me. What about you? Yeah, And even with the the title on that one, right? You think about closed digital loop. It's kind of like, well, we want this to be open, right? Because we want to be able to get all that data. So it's a little bit counterintuitive, but I completely agree. There's been so much talk in the industry over the last couple of years about utilizing data. 
but ever it, it's almost like too big of a topic. So I like the idea that maybe it's getting broken down a little bit into something that's actionable and then reviewable, right? Uh, for me, I actually, I thought it was interesting on the no code, low code. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of, you know, especially the da- data science market and, and a lot of people getting degrees in data science and everything. And even even then you hear too about the decreasing number of engineers coming into the market. I think it's interesting that that companies are starting to look into how do we make all of this programming even more simple, that it doesn't need somebody with a many years of expertise uh, to be able to program or, or create such machine control to really you know, optimize processes and, and or whatever they need to do. I thought that was very interesting that they're moving it into more of a a simple function, right? We can all we all have iPhones or some kind of uh, Android phone, right? Mm-hmm. They're all the user interface is very simple and it's very customizable to to whoever's using it. It seems like maybe a little bit of that is moving into into this the industrial space. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the our cobots they're super easy to program right and it's because you don't really have to be a coder to make that robot do what you need to do you can teach it with the push of a button and then it's it's flow charts right so with the sakura group that's one that whenever they get a chance to use those i'm always amazed at how quickly they get it up and going Mm -hmm. so again making that technology more um more accessible i think that's a good one too Absolutely. And even back to, you know, we talk about our Sysmax solution, mm-hmm. right? You have the, you have the ability to do um, structured text code like like many people may be used to in the past. Or there's much more uh, an easier graphical interface to basically drag and drop the type of functions that you want in your program. So I think it's pretty cool how how that's incorporating these types of needs as well. Yeah, I I think we're we still need quite a bit of programming with our PLCs, but it, it's an al- alignment with the idea, you know, of making it easier. So let you know, historically with Sysmac, we have let controls engineers focus on designing a really good machine or making a really good process work, not so much on how do I get the different parts um, to to connect together. How do I make my vision talk to my safety? Right, that's sort of the mm-hmm. value proposition of Sysmac. And while there's still code in there, I can see some similarities in the approach there. And it'll be interesting to see where we're at in five years, right? I mean, yep. you're still going to need, I, I always think of the 80-20 rule, right? Maybe we'll get to a point where 80% of uh, controls work is done more in the drag and drop or low code, no code. And that 20% is where you get really more in-depth for more specific or customized solutions. It'll be interesting to see. And for, you know, with your work with the Sakura group, it almost, it promotes the idea of giving somebody something from an entry level position, right? Mm-hmm. An ability to learn some level of coding, right? And see if it maybe piques their interest. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, it's it's a low barrier to uh, entry, like you said, and then a, a fast learning curve. It's not as steep. So even going back to conversations we've had about the the changing workforce. There's a lot more people who are newer to automation that may be looking to minimize the, the amount of time it takes them to do that first project. So it's interesting. That was a good one. I like that uh, low barrier to entry. That's an excellent way of uh, excellent way of putting it. 
Oh, thank you, Kenny. I think this is my first compliment from you in season two. Tad, can you mark that one down? <laughs> we can mark it down. I think you're right. <laughs> I apologize. I'm too busy thinking of these songs, so. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. So building on our, our interesting thoughts there, Carrie, what about this article that you read kind of surprised you a little bit when you were going through it? So the um, industrial control is a service, right? Um, we see a lot about, you know, robots as a service, software as a service. Um, I mm -hmm. thought it was really interesting in this short little section where they started talking about, you know, the virtual PLCs and that suppliers will offer more flexibility. The thing that stuck out to me that I, I guess was surprising is the cloud-based um, I know from my my time talking about our AI controller that sometimes cloud connectivity or having to um, connect outside of the plant floor can can be a risk for our customers. So what surprised me was that they were already thinking of going to that level. Um, and so I'm interested to see how that works and how do we manage our customers' need for security with the capability of the cloud. Yeah, I know, and with a lot of talk recently about, you know, IT, OT convergence and things like that. IT, the biggest concern is network security, right? Right. And I, I completely agree with you that I think that is, that's an interesting concept, right? And a very interesting concept, but seems like it's got a lot more baking that needs to be done just from the plant level, especially with how typically you know, they like to keep things closed off, especially between IT and OT, and then giving that access to something that's on the cloud. While the cloud has obviously become more secure, I think there's probably some some challenges there that just need to be overcome to, to put that as more in the forefront, right? Exactly. I'm interested to see what they come up with. I'll, there's a lot, a lot of smart people mm -hmm. working on these problems. So we'll see, you know, this time next year, we'll maybe be laughing at ourselves. Who knows? Right. Yeah, exactly. I'll be I'll be the fool with egg on my face. Right. Yeah, Might be me. I, I've still got my <laughs> uh, Betamax <laughs> VCR in the basement in my Microsoft Zune. <laughs> <laughs> and what was that other what was that MP? Yeah, that was the Zune. That the was Zune. the Zune. And MP, I actually yeah. am a firm supporter of the Zune. I had two different ones. They combined like an iPod with Spotify before Spotify was around. I loved it. So don't get me started on the Zune. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What was your, mo getting back on track here, what was your most surprising portion of the article? So I was surprised that, you know, when there's more enterprise visualization interface, I was kind of surprised that that, I mean, while it's a trend, right, I feel like it's become further along and more accepted in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of saw these as maybe initially when I was reading the article, I thought mm, maybe we'll read about something that's kind of a newer thing coming to the market, to the industry, right? And when I read that, I was kind of like, well, yeah, yes, that's a trend with customers, right? But it seems to be something that's much more accepted, right? Yeah. And maybe it maybe it's more related to then the the implementation that it hasn't really been a full wide implementation of those types of solutions, and and that connection between OT and IT and visualizing that data, um, so that that part surprised me a little bit. I was I was shocked a little bit to see it in there, but also it's it's a main driver I think in in what 
you know, value different machine builders, right, are putting on their machines and 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 things like that. So it's just kind of a little surprising that it was still still a trend, but it's probably just becoming maybe a bigger trend. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, yeah, visualization. We've had HMIs for a long time. Everybody understands yeah. the the need for for data. And I guess maybe this is just amping it up a little bit more. But to your point, yeah, I, I was surprised to see that too. That's a really good good point. Mm-hmm. So with all this we digested in this, what does this mean you think for our customers? What do you would you see anything popping out in here that you think might be really relevant to to some of our, our customers? Yeah, I think so, right? I think that at the end of the day it's important for manufacturers like us and and customers and then you know industry experts like um craig at automation world to have these conversations and you know think about you know hey this might be something that we see is going to be more cutting edge and is it really uh applicable you know having an understanding of maybe what a manufacturer thinks is is really a trend is it is it actually something customers want? So to me, that industrial control as a service, is that actually going to be effective? Mm-hmm. And then it's also kind of a good gut check of visualization is still a challenge and still something that, you know, people people do see that they need. I, I think all of this stuff comes back to the same things that have been important to manufacturers forever, right? How can I make my products better and faster and more efficiently? So yep. I'll, they all kind of, you know, whether it's no code, how can I make my machines faster and more or reduce the design time of my machines, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I think these type of articles always have something, you know, it's always interesting to read, but I'm never like, oh my gosh, the industry's taking a total turn. At the end of the day, it's still about making products, better products, faster and safer, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, but hopefully what what it represents too is is discussion points with our customers, right? Because typically, you know, especially in these days, right, with with less of a workforce as we had a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. people are being stretched thin. Their 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 concerns are how do I make more machines? But sometimes they don't have enough time to step back and think about, okay, how do I actually implement something like that that will benefit us in the long run? That it creates kind of a, a thought process for those people or even even people higher up in their organizations to kind of drive that information down and say like this, these are the trends in our industry. A, are we even implementing any of them? If we're not, how do we take this as an opportunity to implement them? You know, and they look for partners like us, right, that can help mm-hmm. them uh, achieve those goals and, and meet those those goals to ultimately, again, like you said, make stuff more efficient, faster, better. Safer. Aren't you a safety guy? Safer. <laughs> um, the the other thing, too, uh, I guess I would think about is when you said discussions and sharing information, even if, you know, maybe some of our customers hear that another their competitor has adopted some of these technologies that may seem pretty risky or difficult to overcome. And you might think, oh, if they can do it, maybe it isn't as much of a risk. So some of that collaboration between competitors uh, articles like this mm-hmm. or staying in touch um, with trends can always help that way too to help increase adoption of new technologies. Absolutely, absolutely, and even customer, yeah, like you said, competitors looking for a competitive advantage. Even like if if that competitor, if their competitor has not implemented something like this, then 
maybe it's time to look at that because it gives them new value that they can provide to their customers. So Kenny, this article was, was really good. If you could write a letter to Craig and tell him what you want to see on the list for next year, what would you want on a 2024 manufacturing trends list? I think what I would want to see is something along the lines of a fully incorporated factory. Maybe not necessarily the dark factory like we've heard about where it's completely autonomous, but something a little bit more of the lines of that the, the new trend moving forward is to make sure that all the machines are connected, all the machines are creating data, all of that, like there's a full connection in a full manufacturing process that manufacturers are really pushing for in, in the machines that they're purchasing, that they're interoperable, that they're they're all pushing information to each other so that ultimately then they can evaluate their process and look at the data coming out and saying, how do we optimize this even more? I think with the the less skilled labor that's in the market right now and a lot of people that are the skilled labor that are retiring, I think the more information people can get from their their machines on the plant floor and start to look at it and analyze it and and you know kind of in that in that closed digital idea make actionable decisions off of it and evaluate was that a good decision to make i think that that's what i would like to see almost like expounding on that that uh closed digital loop what about you carrie i like that um i guess for me maybe it's because i'm spending so much time with young people who are just starting out but i'd like to see us kind of think about humans as assets in manufacturing and what does it look like like where do how do we see humans affecting automation in five, 10 years, right? Um, to me, mm -hmm. I see it as, you know, humans are going to be more of the creative driving force doing less of the low value add tasks. But, and we say that on a really high level, but what does that really mean? What, what, mm -hmm. if I went to, you know, a 12 year old and said, Hey, you should go spend time learning about robots and you can go work in a manufacturing facility someday. Well, what, what can I do there? Is it, is it repairing the robots? Is there some sort of analysis, right, where we can really use our our unique capabilities as humans in how mm. we can influence manufacturing? I think it would be interesting for some people to to think about that approach a little bit. Yeah, maybe more of a defined, you know, we talk about, well, robots don't take jobs away from humans. They allow humans to do more creative jobs. Like what what are those jobs? Like put maybe more definition around it, right? So exactly. it's not just this vague thing that 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 people talk about. Right. And maybe start to define that more and build up more excitement for people to come mm -hmm. join what I think is one of the most fun topics and in, in career paths uh, there is around. So I think we need to get more people excited about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The amount of automation and things that go into anything that is sitting on your desk right now is pretty cool and they're all kind of different too so exactly and then maybe in 2030 we can figure out how we're going to automate podcasts so you and i can go sit on a beach and someone can have this conversation for us it's going to pull the information from our brain but maybe 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 we don't want that to happen <laughs> <laughs> we'll still need a sensor button for some of us yes. Yes. <laughs> all right well carrie don't worry I took care of trivia because I want to make sure that we have a relevant trivia question. Okay. So what was the first cloud platform? Um, and I can give you clues if you need them. 
but I can tell you when I say the name, you'll know it. N not SAP? No. All right, give me a clue. It is a very popular customer relationship management system. Oracle. Close. Salesforce was the first cloud? The first movers of cloud computing was Salesforce.com, 1999. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so, boom. I didn't know that either until I, uh, until I found it out, but very interesting, right? Now there's uh, a bazillion of them, and that yes. is a technical term, right? <laughs> yes, a, baz a bazillion and one. A bazillion and one. All right. Well, awesome. I, I love this discussion, Carrie. Really cool. And I think we should revisit this in 2024 and see if our stuff made the list. Right? Yes, I hope so. All right. Thanks, Kenny. It was a good chat. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you, everyone, for joining Carrie and me for the Operation Automation Podcast. If you have topics you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes, please send them to our email address, operationautomation at omron.com with podcast idea in the subject line. Finally, all these cool things you learn about on this podcast can be found at automation.omron.com. Until next time, we put the fun in factory automation. Right, it's definitely the latter, but, but also people love us, right? People love us. Um, but super, super cool article uh, we found that we could read uh, and and comment on about trends in the industrial automate. What? <laughs> Sorry, Ted. People love us. People love us. <laughs> it's pretty great. It was pretty good. <laughs> People love us. <laughs> Sorry, Kenny, you needed a little break there. I was laughing too hard. Go ahead and finish your statement about the episode today. Of course, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> so we, we read.